0: Are you a pastor ministry leader or volunteer perhaps a stay-at-home parent business executive or college student do you desire to see the nations come to faith in jesus christ let me tell you something fascinating something that is happening in our lives that's never happened before the nations are coming to us yes where we once had to travel across the world to share the gospel The nations are now coming to North America through means of business, tourism, university study, and more. The world's most unreached people groups are coming to us. The next best question to ask, how do we reach them with the gospel? I wanna introduce you to a missions organization called Global Gates. Global Gates exists to reach the ends of the earth through global gateway cities. You too can be involved in this mission from wherever you are, Simply go to globalgates.info for more information.
1: Well, we're back again for Let's Talk Diaspora. Welcome, welcome. And today we have a special guest. I'm going to let him um, introduce himself and get us started Um, for this season where we're talking globally and locally and all that God is doing among the diaspora. So um, welcome, Mike. Tell us more about who you are and why you're here with us.
2: Thanks, Rebecca. I'm Mike Shipman, and I currently serve as the Senior Strategist for Eastern United States for the IMB's Diaspora Mobilization Team. You know, we, we did serve overseas for 21 years and Perhaps I'll share in a few moments about that experience. But now we are uh, equipping believers and churches to, yeah, to implement the Great Commission among diaspora peoples living throughout North America.
1: Mike, I, you said IMB. Now, maybe everyone knows who that is, but maybe we should make sure everybody's clear on who that is.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Thanks.
3: So, Mike, you you mentioned um, senior strategist. That sounds really that sounds really important. And and diaspora was in that title. And this is the Let's Talk Diaspora podcast. So we couldn't think of a better person to have on to talk diaspora. Could you just give us like maybe a little bit of a thumbnail of what you see as the strategic opportunity of the diaspora? And then i do want to come back and you can share as much as you want about what you learned overseas and how you're applying that uh, to your current context
2: well when we see from the bible what god is doing with the diaspora people i think it opens our eyes to the great opportunity in acts chapter 17 verse 26 and following we read and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. So just understanding that God does determine every person's time and the borders of their habitation makes us realize that the one in seven people in the United States who are foreign born are here for a reason. God sent them here that they might seek him and find him. And of course, as we look at the whole context of scripture, it's every believer's opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with whomever we meet. And then for these diaspora people, as they come to faith here to begin proclaiming the gospel with the people back in their homelands. So I think that's the tremendous opportunity that's before us.
1: Mike, tell us, tell us how you, how did you come to where you are with serving among the diaspora?
3: Okay,
2: so beginning in 1998, we were empo- appointed by the International Mission Board uh, to the world's largest Muslim country, myself, my wife, and we raised our three kids, you know, on the field. And while we were in, in that ministry, we saw the Lord do unbelievable things, it didn't happen immediately because I think perhaps we weren't ready and the Lord had a different assignment for us. So for the first few years of our ministry there, we, I was in theological education, you know, taking a more formal approach to ministry and I greatly enjoyed that job and believe it was very productive. And at the end of 2004, the Lord called us to begin engaging unreached people groups. So our assignment was to engage in a large unreached Muslim people group of eight and a half million people, once again, in the world's largest Muslim country. And so we went from knowing something about theological education, really to knowing nothing about how to engage unreached people groups. And always as I tell the story, we didn't need a method, first of all, we needed faith. And so I went back to the New Testament and tried to see, well, what did the Lord tell us to do and how was it originally done? And so what I realized was that the Lord predicted what would happen when the Spirit came. He prescribed it in the Great Commission. The demonstration was in Acts and then the description of how the Great Commission was obeyed was in the epistles. And so, okay, so we had a plan but there are no believers. And so we had to say, okay, how are we gonna share the gospel? And what we saw in the New Testament was that the gospel was never intentionally delayed past the first meeting. There are all these different mission theories about how to do evangelism. Perhaps some will say we have to do apologetics first and then share the gospel. And others will say, we have to tell lots of stories and perhaps on maybe the 25th story, share the gospel. But what we saw was that that our conversations with people should begin with the gospel. And that's where we developed the method, any three, anyone, anywhere, anytime, based on how Jesus shared the gospel in John chapter four with the woman at the well. And so we began, myself, we had one one local partner with his family early on. So it was me and my family, Zeke and his family. So we didn't start with a great big team. And so we began hanging out, sharing the gospel with Muslims and doing follow-up. And beginning in uh, 2005, late 2005, we led a person to faith. He began sharing the gospel with others and churches began forming. It led to a church planting movement among our people. And so the next year in 2006, within a neighboring county, gospel was proclaimed, people believed, they were baptized, churches began forming, and so we were discipling them with the people in the first county and equipping their leaders. And then the next year in 2007, we were able to lead the faith and baptize a person who reached and baptized his family in a third county. All these were connecting counties, and someone uniquely prepared. The night we the night we cast vision with him he said I, needed, I knew i needed to lead someone to faith tonight and so he led a village leader to faith they led a jihad soldier to faith within a couple of weeks these these people were baptized they formed churches in their homes and led led to a third third movement which has become you know the major movement among what who the people we call the B new people so anyway beginning in late 2005 these movements began happening the gospel was proclaimed as they as they as they prayed for people in Jesus' name. The Lord often often did miracles, especially as the gospel was going in the new places. So these churches were growing and multiplying. From there, we began training people throughout this country, and the gospel was being proclaimed in many places. Churches, some of the first chair churches formed in some of those places, and in some of those places, the churches multiplied. Once again, there's no formula that says if we do it. The original way that we will get these dynamic results but even where the gospel even with church hasn't formed yet people were hearing the gospel some were so they were believing becoming the first baptized believers among those people groups and sometimes the first church is planted so from there we began training and equipping often in different countries and um, so that's how our ministry began forming as we were Obeying the post-Pentecost mission frameworks of act, framework of acts and developing methods that that were in accordance with that framework, we were able to help other people, and so um, that that was that was our ministry until we were called home because of some health issues back in 2018. But since our transition in, back to the United States, that's why we're now serving the diaspora in North America, and by diaspora, what I mean are the immigrants, refugees, and international students. So that's a, just in a, in a nutshell, the tremendous work that the Lord did overseas and, and why we're now here doing this work among the diaspora.
3: Thanks for sharing, Mike. I, I just want to emphasize a couple things things that, that I heard to make sure people hear what I heard you emphasize is gospel proclamation. Is is high priority. You're you're not gonna see something happen. Baptism, which which is leading into discipleship, like they have to know what to do. Right. They formed into churches. Right. And then you were equipping leaders.
2: Yeah. That's
3: that's the uh the clear path is what I'm what I'm hearing. It's the clear path. The other thing I heard,
2: it begins, Bud, with abiding in Christ. Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can apart from me, you can do nothing." And so, you know that that is the one strand through all the components. But then, yeah, like what, like you said, it's simple. Great Commission obedience. We talk about one command, two assurances, uh, and three and three assignments. The one command is disciple all the ethnic groups, which means everyone hears the gospel with a chance to respond. And wherever they respond, they form churches to obey everything Jesus taught us to do. One command, two assurances, the book ends of the Great Commission. Every believer has the authority to do it, and Jesus said, I'll be with you while you do it. To do what? To do three, three assignments. Going, which means as we, as we abide in Christ, we share the good news of the gospel, and of course, do follow up. Baptizing, when they say yes to Jesus, we baptize them according to the Acts pattern, and then we teach them, to proclaim the gospel with others forming churches where now they can obey everything that the scripture expects everything that Jesus taught us to do and so all right in a nutshell it's simple great commission obedience
3: that's really it's really clear and simple and the thing i also heard you just emphasize is this idea of abiding and that just because you do it in the pattern of the new testament doesn't guarantee you the results and what came to mind is uh I think a mutual friend, uh something I've heard him say several times, Bill Bill Smith, he says, at the end of the day, it's the man and woman of God, not the method that God blesses. And so not to the neglect of a method, but ultimately it's it's a person who's a servant of God, who's put their yes on the table, who's abiding deeply that God will will use.
2: Yeah. Bill usually gets it right and it seems like perhaps he did there as well. <laughs> right. And and once again, it's not the magic of a method, but we do have a biblical framework upon which we build and that gives us faith. And then based on that framework, now we now we do need some methods to 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 contextualize the plan locally.
1: You you also mentioned earlier and this is what part of what stuck out to me is that Acts 17 passage where, you know, wherever God's planted us, basically, that's where he desires to use us. You know, we talk about that a lot with the diaspora and, you know, the people that we're sharing the gospel with, but really that's in our own lives. And I heard that in your life as God has planted you back here in North America. So tell us a little bit, um, tell us some about what God has you doing now. Um, among the diaspora here, as you're back in North America.
2: Okay, the goal really is to find it. whoever is willing and being called to, you know, proclaim the gospel and plant churches, especially among diaspora UPGs, and and then you know walk alongside them to to see that happen. However, we find you know we find churches, hub churches. Who are doing diaspora ministry and they're also influ- influencing others to do it. And we work with them to develop. Well, we talk about three, th- we talk about the three, uh, three aspects of what we do pathways, which are strategies, strategies for, for uh, engaging the UPGs here in North America, partnerships. In a few minutes, I'm sure we'll talk about the role of the diaspora in reaching the diaspora. And so partnerships uh, with others, both in North America and sometimes overseas that, uh, that, that that facilitate the task. So pathways, partnerships, but also pipelines. The flow of the gospel going from here to there and also from there to here. You know, that can that can simply be new believers proclaim the, proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel in new places, but it can also lead to God calling us, you know, through organizations like Global Gates or IMB or whatever the organization is, you know, overseas. Uh, and then also often we're finding these days that those who are coming to faith overseas, in you know, the immigrants, the refugees who are, whose destination is the United States or Canada, that those believers. Or planting churches along their pathway to North America so when they hear they just continue doing that. So that's just an exciting dynamic of not only the gospel flowing from here to there but the gospel flowing from there to here. So we work with hub churches, but the, there are there are several things we learned overseas surely in 21 years of overseas ministry we learned some very important things. One of those is that God primarily uses near and same culture partners to reach the people that we're we're serving overseas. And guess what? It's the same dynamic in North America. So how do we empower those believers from the diaspora, whether they're for, whether they're foreign born or perhaps you know one point five generations or two generations into the diaspora? how do we empower them to lead the way to do what they're already doing you know reaching their reaching their own people but also reaching the upg's in north america we call that we call that emphasis diaspora to diaspora
3: d to d mike i i totally am following and encouraged by by this diaspora to diaspora because it's it's just a missiological principle that's been proven over and over again, that same culture near culture um, are, are the best evangelist church planters. So, what what is the role of the North American church? How 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 are some practical ways that they can come alongside these ethnic partners, or or even be a catalyst to see something established?
2: So, my my friends from the diaspora reminded me that since I spent. Twenty-one years of my life overseas. Many of them have been in the United States longer than I have. <laughs> so we, of course, there is no perfect term, but when we talk about diaspora partners. You know, many of them are you know as as enculturated here as we are, and so it's not simply working with the diaspora churches, but hey, as we work in some larger churches, perhaps the the predominant the predominant ethnicity is Anglo. You know, they're all the diaspora is represented. And you know, listening, learning, but also empowering that is, as we work together to reach the diaspora has been has been an important has been an important reality. But also, this is so important. I think often in our in our mentality, we're like, hey, we we see the plan clearly. Come, let's let's follow, follow my plan. When in fact What we're learning is as we work with people from the diaspora, work with them to build the plan. Don't build a plan and then say, hey, come on, join our plan. Let's get in the same room together from day one and say, okay, let's go to the scripture. So, what is the Lord's plan, the Great Commission, as we described earlier? What are you and the people you know? doing and how is God honoring it as you're engaging the diaspora. And then of course, as we go to the scripture, the scripture always will refine, will refine our viewpoint, you No, know, and as we, as we start looking to see how New Testament churches were planted. But so we find that our diaspora partners are already doing effective ministry. And sometimes as we go to the scripture together, we can, we can work together to refine the strategy, but other than simply having a strategy and inviting people to join Let's get in the same room and build a strategy together. I think that's the the primary component of, uh, or the primary key to the Diaspora to Diaspora uh, initiative.
1: Can you give us a story of how um, you've seen that play out empowering those that you're partnering with?
2: Yeah, this is, it's it's become a a front and center piece of our ministry. And as we do this, it, it is expressing itself in a thousand different ways through a thousand, you know, I mean, a thousand plus or minus, probably plus, you know, uh, the thousand different partnerships. So, but within and everyone is unique. But we find people. Some people from the diaspora have done an excellent job of assessing people from the diaspora who plant churches, and now we were working together to uh, to help them refine their apostolic strategy. You know, we can, we can send someone out to plant a church, praise God when that happens, but we can also send some people out like we do with our missionaries to work together to plant streams of generational house churches, sometimes called micro churches. And so uh, approaching people that, that have just this tremendous uh, gift of assessment and working with them, others are actually teaching strategy, effective apostolic church planning strategy and for them, helping introduce them to others to see that not only is this a good idea, it's actually happening in the North American context. Think of another now, these are all specific examples. I'm just not giving you names and locations. And I think of another, another dear, a dear brother in his ministry. Came to faith overseas as a Brahmin priest, planted house churches there. He said, Nobody told me to, just that, you know, people needed to hear about Jesus and they they come to know the Lord, they were baptized and they just started meeting, obeying everything the scripture said. He said, you know, it just happened spontaneously. Now in a in one of, of North America's larger urban centers is doing the same kind of thing here. His vision is going beyond so that, yes, let's reach our own people. This maximize the, the natural flow of the gospel. We have to be very careful about genetically engineering the Lord's church. In the early stages, let's follow the natural flow of the gospel. Having said that, every forming church has to have a great commission vision where they will go beyond their people, you know, to the others, the the UPGs in our context, and our, the brother I'm mentioning, you know, he has a tremendous gift and um, has been able to lead many people to go beyond. So what, what I'm illustrating is that when we connect with our Diaspora partners, many of them have unique gifts and abilities that, from which we can learn, but we can also work with them to share what we have learned. And, uh, and it results in, in Great Commission advance.
3: Mike, I, I interact with a lot of you know a- Anglo-Americans who really have a heart for this. And they, they ask me the question, specifically in a in a Muslim context, they're not seeing fruit and they're like, what what can what can I what can I do? And my encouragement is always find a same culture or near culture person who's already doing it and jump on their back and say, what what can I do to help you?
2: Right.
3: The the right. struggle is I've I've found that a lot of Americans have a little bit, I don't know of a savior complex. They want to be the Superman. And it's, it's challenging to help them see that we're, we're not necessarily the best answer. We're, we, we, we have a role. And, and in that difficulty, I've found a lot of people who have been perhaps trained in some methods have become too rigid and they're not able to get in the room with a brother or sister And in here, and work work together. Maybe you can just kind of give us some some ideas of how practically someone who's wanting maybe they know a believer from a Muslim or Hindu, Buddhist, or Sikh background. They they're in relationship, but they can't find the way forward. What are some very practical things that you would encourage them to to consider?
2: Okay, certainly, what you just described can can be part of, of what happens. At the same time, you know, as we as we have looked to the Scripture, we walk with the Lord. The Lord perhaps is showing something that some of our diaspora friends haven't seen yet. So simply to invite them, hey, can we go out together and share the gospel? Yeah, and we might, We they, we we what the apostolic team did. We can summarize with two words: exemplify and equip. So perhaps we go out and we 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 show we might with our friend and say, hey. We, this is how we share the gospel. The good news is our perhaps already asked for friend says, I know what you're trying to do. And they get the concept. And of course they start doing it and usually much better much more effectively, much more fruitfully than us. So we did have a role by being the example by, and, and by understanding where we're going, we can live this out with them. And then they, then they catch the vision. And then we, then we, then we ask the question, you ask, so how can we, how can we perhaps work together in this as you lead the way? right? So it's not that perhaps we don't have anything to offer. We just understand the obvious that we want to empower our diaspora friends to lead the way. And then we want to ask the question, you know, how can we work together? And that kind of a a, a partnership can, it can form in many different ways with, you know, just different, with different kind of conclusions. Okay. So by being faithful, we talked earlier about if we're talking about doing diaspora ministry, by all means, this us this, this involve people from the diaspora to build it together. You know, there again, we'll have a part in that. Perhaps we see the scripture clearly from an apostolic model that they haven't considered yet. Those kinds of things will emerge, but let's, let's, let's get in the same room together from early. Now, but for every church, whether we're proud, predominantly Anglo or from the diaspora, you know, we can we can have a we can also have a frontline role because you know we're talking about immigrants, refugees, international students. You know, every church can potentially be involved with one of those three, or sometimes all three. So with uh, let's just say refugees, you know, any church can be involved with helping refugees, often working through refugee settlement agencies locally or other churches. And as we do that, we can can share the gospel in some ways. Uh, Perhaps language isn't an issue, and when it is, there are good resources, like the Jesus Film. The Jesus Film is always a wonderful tool because it's been translated into so many languages. And now, for instance, with an iPhone and the Jesus Film Project app, you can simply airdrop the the Jesus Film to someone in their language. And that's, that's a tremendous tool. So, Working with the the needs of refugees, perhaps with a a refugee resettlement agency or another church, international students, to simply reach out. You know, there's perhaps somebody in the church is an educator or has a college student as a son or daughter, you know, or perhaps you are a college student. To simply reach out to other international international college students, university students, often they're masters and PhD level, but just hey, to 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 reach out to invite them in your home, uh, just to get to know them, and perhaps look for ways of of helping them when they first come to enroll in their classes. Do these kinds of things. These are things that it, you know you don't have to have tremendous uh, resources to do. But it's a way to get involved. And I think traditionally, we thought of entry as as a component in itself. And then we ask the question, how can we do evangelism? But what I see in the scripture is that entry and the entry and evangelism go hand in hand. There really is no gap. It's not that we have to master entry. Now we can start doing evangelism while we're learning about culture, perhaps doing research, getting to know people there are ways to share the gospel with them. Once again, perhaps we do know someone from a near or same culture group that we can involve in this relationship. We also have these language resources we can use that while we're helping people in Jesus name, we're also sharing the gospel with them. And so these are ways that really any church could get involved with, with refugees, with international students, and hey, once again, we talk about immigrants, yes, some are first-generation immigrants. They were foreign-born. One in seven Americans is now foreign-born. And there are places like, well, let's say the Northeast, where along the I-95 corridor, we're talking about the major cities, Boston, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and DC. I heard recently that there are approximately 50 million people there, of whom 13 million are foreign-born. So, if you do the math it's about 26 percent, something like that. So it's not like we would have to, if we live in that kind of context, we'd have to go far to be meeting people who, who are immigrants, perhaps 1.5 generations or second-generation immigrants. We work with them. We, you know, we we interact. Our kids go to school together, and so sometimes it's simply a matter of, you know, who do you know, and are you going to? Are you going to reach out to them? Are you going to be kind and are you going to share the gospel? So that's something that anybody can do, and so there are ways to get involved. But like we said earlier, if we want to plant churches among the diaspora, the best way to do that is to begin forming partnerships. We're working together with near and same culture partners from the diaspora, and yeah, you know, and working with working together to to, to see those churches planted.
1: Mike, you've, I think you've shared probably a lot of ways that you might have um, need within the ministry that God has you doing here in North America, but do you want to share any more specifics on those needs and greatest opportunities that you see for people to get involved or any other resources that maybe um, people that are listening would know, want to know about?
2: Okay, for those familiar with the International Mission Board's uh, ministry in among the diaspora in north america perhaps you're familiar with the website peoplegroups.info that that uh website is currently under rebuild will probably appear soon under a new name so pay attention to IMB's primary website imb.org soon there will be also there will be an opportunity to see the diaspora research uh, through the website and the current website that we're using is DM, diaspora mobilizations, so dmcollective.org. I think going forward, that's gonna be our primary diaspora site. So dmcollective.org is one way to 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 see opportunities. We're excited because what we're calling collectives are forming in many places right now where people are just where they where they they say hey we have this desire to reach the diaspora and they're forming these collectives sometimes called cohorts where they come together they pray they they look at research together and they're also immediately active taking advantage of these of these opportunities one of the things we're doing to facilitate these kinds of cohorts we're calling the d lab the diaspora lab which is basically a an interactive diaspora training where people would come. They would go out in the community and meet people, learn how to share the gospel. And so the very next day, we go out going out, sharing the good news of the gospel and interacting and talking about steps of follow-up. So this experiential training leads, leads to an opportunity so that we're usually training churches or leaders, leaders of churches from one area together. So when they go back, they have formed a collective or a cohort where they can where they can take what they've learned, begin applying it, and then have an ongoing relationship. So this is another one of those one of those practical things we're trying to do that leads to the formation of these collectives. So you know you can see our our uh, ministry that the ministry of our team. The diaspora mobilization team is multifaceted, but it really all comes down to helping people abide in Christ, love their neighbor as themselves, which is non-negotiable for every one of us. And as we do that, to share the good news of the gospel, how would we do follow-up? When they say yes to Jesus, how are we going to baptize them? Are we going to try to integrate them into existing churches? Or are we going to, like the apostles, going to baptize them and teach them to share the gospel with others forming churches within their community and then from there just coaching people and helping them get to the next next steps of discipleship church formation leadership development and then yeah looking beyond to the next to the next people group in the next place you
3: know mike i'm super encouraged about this obviously uh rebecca and i are passionate about the opportunity god has given us in the diaspora uh, but you think back you know a decade ago, this was a lot less of a conversation, and what's so encouraging is there are many people who now see this god given opportunity and 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 seeing it as what God is doing and and thinking strategically and being humble and being great great commission partners um in in a sense that it is it is not about us. It's, it's about God's glory among the nations, and this is a unique opportunity. And we're, we're all on the same team. And so I just love brothers like you who, who are so kingdom focused, so uh, humble in um, just wanting to to be an obedient servant of the Lord Jesus and uh, knowing his word and teaching others to follow it. And it's it really is that simple. Does it get complicated? absolutely it gets messy but it is simple
2: thankfully the lord knew we needed a simple plan and he did give us one and you know, i'm just thankful for partnerships like we have and that partnerships that are forming throughout north america and um, you know, we're all trying to see the same thing happen as you say to see god's glory manifest throughout the nations through multiplying church planning so praise the lord for the opportunity he's given us
3: so if you are listening and you're like, I want I want to be involved or you want to share this idea with a church leader. I want to encourage you to share this with people who who may have interest or you yourself may have interest. reach out to Rebecca myself or Mike We'll put contact information and in between our networks we we will be willing servants. Um, to come alongside you as an individual, as a collective, as a, as a group, or as a church. Uh, and together we can discern what God's calling you individually to do. And I think I've said this before, is we just want to help everyone um, discern their contribution to the completion of the Great Commission. And we all have individual and distinct roles. And part, part of what we want to do is we want to point people to that, but help them have a clear path and to see what their contribution is.
1: I appreciate everybody, or we appreciate everybody partnering with us today by listening um, to the podcast, Let's Talk Diaspora. And we do pray that you'll look at the notes and take... I think we've got lots of resources, lots of notes that will be included for this episode. Um, Take a look at those, but also like us out on all the social media and share with those that you know that might be interested. We all should be interested um, in being involved in the diaspora wherever God may have planted us. So thank you. And this has been Let's Talk Diaspora.